Hi, friends, and welcome to Not Your Parents' Religion podcast. I am your host, Pastor Robert Young, where we provide biblical answers to today's modern questions. Now, today, our question is, if God is real, then why do bad things happen? We're going to pick up the discussion from a Bible study, an actual roundtable discussion series Bible study that we had about two or three years ago. Question of if God is real, why does he allow these things to happen? So let's dive into that. <laughs> now, remember, we're talking about two different kinds of people here. <clears throat> we're talking about the saved versus the unsaved. But for the sake of our discussion, well, let's just talk about Christian folks. Because Christians go through things, and sometimes we don't understand why we're going through. Let me take you to the book of James, I believe. To the book of James. And I hope this is the right scripture. And I've been rolling in my, my thoughts have been rolling in my head about this particular subject for, for a while. Since we decided that this is what we're going to talk about. Because this is a, it's not difficult, it's just kind of hard, hard to grasp that God would love us and allow us to go through these things. James chapter 1, verse 1. <clears throat> Excuse me. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect. And the word perfect here is, is um, mature, that you may mature in your Christian walk and entire wanting nothing. Verse 5. Very key piece here. Verse 5. If any man lack wisdom. Wisdom about what? In particular, what he's just talking about in verse 1, 2, 3, and 4. Which is temptations and why are we going through this thing? If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea. Driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Drop down. And it says somewhere in here. Let no man say, when, verse 13. When he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God is not purposely putting obstacles in our way so that we could fall. Although there are some uh, uh, denominations and Christian ministries that seem to teach that, that God is sitting there with a, with a, with a um, clipboard ready to check off every mistake you make, almost like he's purposely trying to get you to mess up so he can send you to hell. That's not what we're talking about here, okay? The Bible says that every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when the lust is brought to maturity in his mind, then he goes and act upon it. That's why um, Romans 12, 1 said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind and, and don't think like the world, the unsaved. Don't do anything like them, but get your foundation, your, your foundation from God and the principles that he is teaching 
and the rules that he's laid out. So, first thing we need to ask before we answer the question of why do God allow these things to happen, <clears throat> go to God and ask, Lord, what is going on here? Why am I going through this, this terrible thing? Now, it's two possible reasons, three possible reasons. One could be, <laughs> this is just a consequence of some action that you did or actually didn't do. Do I need to put an example? Let's do one, because this is one that no one ever looks at. Because there's uh, two kinds of sins. There's a sin of commission, where you actually do something. And then there's a sin of omission, where you don't do something that God did tell you to do. We never look at that one. We never, ever, I haven't had, out of the 10,000 sermons I've read or heard, I haven't heard too many that talk about the things that God told you to do, but you didn't do it. And that's a sin, too. In fact, that's just a bigger sin than the one where you did do something wrong. So, if God told you, okay, go down to Ragu and apply for a job, but you was like, you know, I don't think I want to work for Ragu. But son, you just prayed the day before that you wanted and needed a job, and I told you that Ragu is hiring, and I'm going to give you a favor when you go down there. But I don't want to work at Ragu, so you just don't go. And then you don't get a job. Now, you've sinned. You say, well, what did I do? I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't steal, I didn't do any of those things. Yeah, but you didn't do what God told you to do. So now when the consequences of you not having a job come home, say the landlord shows up with an eviction notice, right? Or you ran out of food, or you don't have money for gas, you don't have money for your bills, whatever. Now you're saying, Lord, why am I going through this? Am I making any sense? Yes. Okay. Now you're like, well, why am I going through this? Why? Why me, Lord? Why? Why not the sister down the street who's a who's a prostitute? Or why not that guy who's a, a a murderer? Why am I going through this? I love you. I go to church every Sunday. Well, you sin, and now the consequences. Being a Christian doesn't excuse us from the consequences of our action or inaction. Yes. So. Once we get that, that issue solved in our mind about <clears throat> if this is something that has come upon us because, excuse me, because of our own action or inaction, we can make the next step. And what is the next step? Lord, forgive me. Give me strength. Because that's the piece, the biggest piece right there. Being a Christian is not the absence of problems. Being a Christian is we have a resource that we can go to that no matter what we go through, he can still be a comfort to us no matter what the problem is. And I get it. Every Christian that I've ever met don't want any problems. Who in their right mind wants problems? Right? Right. But the thing that the world sees the most is Irene goes to work. And people know what she's going through or have some idea what she's going through. But they can still see that Irene has some kind of joy. She's not, you know, pulling her hair out. Her hair isn't falling out because of the problem. But they see her with some joy. And they say, Irene, um, didn't you tell me so, such and such? Well, how is it that you can still walk around here happy? What's going on? You're on drugs, ain't you, girl? And she's like, no, I'm not on drugs. I'm not on alcohol. I haven't met a new man, none of that stuff. The joy of the Lord is my strength, she tells him. And he's like, well, what in the world does that mean? And she simply says, listen, when I'm going through all these kinds of troubles and trials and temptation, 
I know that my God is still there to comfort me. In fact, that's when he reveals himself even more to me because I am going through because he is my father and any good father wants to comfort their child. Yes. So now is the time that I can go to him. I should go into him all the time, but now is definitely a time that I should go to him and say, Lord, I cannot handle this thing on my own, no matter what it is. I need your peace. I need your joy. I need all of those things that you provide. I cannot manufacture it on my own. The stuff that's out here in the world is not bringing that joy. So I need you. That's why whenever someone loses a loved one, we say, we're going to be praying for you. For what? You know, the person's not coming back from the dead. What are you praying for? I'm praying that during this time of bereavement, that you would draw closer to God so that he can be that source of comfort for you during this most desperate time. Anybody in here ever lost anybody? Because mm-hmm. I know, and honestly, there's another side to that too. Sometimes he allows these things to happen to us so that he can, it's not that he wants it to happen, but when he sees that it does happen, let's just get personal. When my mom died, I couldn't understand it. She was 42 years old and had led a good life as far as I could see. And if you know information that I don't know, I don't even want to hear it. Okay? <laughs> okay? <laughs> as far as I can see, she had led a doggone good life and had suffered her life with various uh, husbands or boyfriends. That It was horrible. And then she had two good years before she developed cancer. Met a man, fell in love, got married. I think they had two, two or three good years, and then all of a sudden got cancer. Got over that for a minute, came back, and died at 42. I was upset. I was ticked off at God because I didn't understand. Why would you take this one? Why wouldn't you just take Roy, who still lived another 20 years after that, 15 years after that, right? (laughs) Why wouldn't you take this one or that one? Why her? And I was, now, as I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm having a conversation with God, which I had not had in quite some time because I wasn't, um, um, in your right mind. <laughs> <laughs> now, I am literally listening, waiting for him to give an answer because I was so upset. And he talked to me, to the spirit of my mind, as you say. I did not hear an audible voice. So those who may be listening to this um, <laughs> recording, don't think that I'm crazy, got my attention. David said this back in the scripture. He said, Lord, it was good for me when troubles came upon me. Because before, everything was so good and I just kind of grew slack. I grew kind of lazy in my devotion to you. And eventually I got completely off track. But when the troubles came, it showed me how far off track I had gotten. And now I can see that it was an actual good thing for me that these happened to me. So now I'm going back to my original source of comfort. And that's hard to hear if you don't lose somebody. I get that. but. My anger and whatever it is I was going through when I was talking to God about the passing of my mom turned out to be a good thing because it helped me to renew my relationship with God. And he did comfort me and he did help me through it because I was a straight up, I was the mama's boy of all mama's boys at the time. And I wasn't going to make it through without his help. So what am I saying? Why do we go through these things? God is not trying to, first of all, God is not trying to necessarily punish us 
some of us, it is true. Some of these things happens because of neglect or things that we've done, and they're just consequences of what we're going through. But no matter what we're going through, we know that God can be there for us. So if I haven't provided an answer to why this is happening to you, ask him. Why is this happening? And while you're talking, I guarantee you, if you're really talking and really listening to him, he's going to bring you that peace. That's if you're a Christian. Make that little stipulation. And if you're not a Christian, he still may bring you that peace just to show you. See how good I am? See how much I love you? I am not obligated to answer your prayers one way or the other because you're not my child. But I did anyway. And that draws us closer to him. When you know you are a low-down sinner, which I was at the time that my mom died, I was living in active sin. Active. It was a lifestyle. It wasn't just a slip-up here and there. It was active sin. And he was still kind and wonderful and gentle and, and comforting to me during that time. Even though I was, in, I was a low-down sinner, it helped to change my heart because I knew that I did not deserve what I was getting from, from the Lord. I knew that all that I had done probably entitled me to hellfire or more punishment. God did not take my mom to punish me. That's not what I'm saying at all. Obviously not. But during that time of the worst moment of my whole entire life, he was there for me. And I realized why it was happening. He wanted her up there with him. And it was almost um, selfish of me to ask him to let her continue to live and suffer the way she was doing. Which, by the way, she hid from me. And it wasn't until like the last few days that I realized how really bad it was. And I probably, she probably did say it. I was just so messed up in the head at the time. But, so, the answer to our question. First of all. Look to see where you are in relationship with God before you even attempt to ask that question. Because if you're looking at it from the natural standpoint, you have no spiritual discernment whatsoever, you're going to get confused and messed up like we have been saying all along. Listen, we want to present to you the real God, not that watered down version, not that prosperity version, not that hellfire and brimstone only version. And each one of those different uh, denomination has a piece of the truth, but because they only preach this one speak piece, that makes their whole thing wrong. There is hellfire and brimstone for some, but if that's your only message, and you don't teach about all the other aspects of God, then that makes your message wrong. If you only preach about the prosperity and God wants you to prosper, which He does, which He does, but if that's your only message then your message is wrong because you haven't given a full view of who God is. You haven't showed people who God really is. You showed a piece of them. And I don't know about you, how many have ever been in a relationship where you just knew one piece of a person, but you wanted to know more, but they wouldn't show it, and you felt like, I really don't know this person. <laughs> Did you see the look on her face? <laughs> Somebody came before her mind. We don't even want to know who that was. I know I have. And I have been that way at points where I was only showing one piece of me. It's like that other piece was mine and mine only and I wasn't going to share it with anybody. And you really feel like you don't know that person. So my point is that when we get to know the real God, 
He can give us joy, peace, comfort, no matter what happens to us. That's the biggest piece. Instead of trying to figure out why this is happening to me, figure out how can I get some relief and comfort for this? Sometimes troubles reveal our true nature. Sometimes troubles reveal our true nature. And if it's good, that's fine. If it's bad, that's fine too, because you still have an opportunity to say, like I did, Lord, you, you, you know what? I'm sorry. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I came to you like a spoiled little child talking about my mom has passed and realized now that my walk with you, my relationship with you is kind of busted. I remember the time when we had a close walk. Can we get that again? And like any good parent, any good parent, right? If your child sincerely comes to you, humbly, repentful, remorseful for what they've done, how many parents, how many good parents say, you know what? Nah, nah, I'm not going to forget you. Get out. How many good parents really do that? None. You're thinking about times that your children has done stuff <laughs> and you didn't throw them out. Why is it that... Christians think that God is going to throw them out for something that they've done. And if, he, if, if you've reached that point where God is ready to throw you out, it's been a lifetime of sinning, a lifestyle. He's, he's going to try everything with you. There will be Christians that's going to go to hell, and that's another subject for another time. But it's not like all of a sudden you did one thing and you're going to hell because of it. And if that is true, there's been times that he's been trying to get you back, trying to get you back, trying to get you, trying everything to get you back. But because you did not listen, he got no other choice. You remember the story of the prophet that was walking, he was going somewhere where he wasn't supposed to be going. He had his mule and he was going and God had told him, don't go that way. Don't go down there. But he was determined to do what he wanted to do. So he went to walking and the mule saw an angel up ahead with a flaming sword ready to wreck havoc. And the mule pulled over into the ditch like, mm, nah. The mule had enough sense to say, nah, nah. I heard the angels tell, the other angels tell us not to go this way. So I'm gonna... so the man pulled a donkey out of the ditch and kept walking and the donkey did it again. And finally, the third time, the donkey just turned around and said, fool, don't you see that angel up there with the flaming sword ready to, to kill both of us? <laughs> the point of this story is that God is trying to tell us something, but if we keep ignoring him, keep ignoring him, keep ignoring him, keep ignoring, keep ignoring, like any good parent would, he's got to bring some type of chastisement. And I know that gospel that's out there that said God doesn't, he, if he's so loving, how could he chastise us? And I say, if you're a good parent and you see your child going astray, how could you not chastise them? I'm not saying beat them or abuse them or any of that nonsense. But to not provide some type of discipline and correction at all shows us that you don't really love this child. Because you know what's going to happen if they keep hanging with Johnny, who's up at the corner, Smoking and doping and whatever it is they're doing, and you don't ever say nothing. Well, he's got to make his own decisions. He's a child. <laughs> That's what you're there for to help to guide him the right way. And if you're neglecting your duties and then he become a outcast of society, he's going to have to answer to his piece. 
and you're going to have to answer to your piece. Yes? Mm-hmm. By the same token, if you see your child on the internet going to Nazi websites and, and all that kind of stuff, and he's being fed that constant source of nonsense and you don't say something, if you know it's happening and you don't say something, in fact, I say it's your responsibility to every now and then to check up on them, to make sure that they're not going astray. Because human nature has shown us over the however many years we've been around that we don't just naturally gravitate toward the good, do we? No. I haven't seen a child yet that just naturally gravitate toward the good. Everybody's got some junk in them. But it's up to the parent to lovingly guide that person, that child, down the right path. And to not do so, I believe, is sinful. So, do you think we've answered the question? Why does God allow bad things to happen? Where we are spiritually, and if we are Christians, who are we addressing now? Now, if you are not a Christian, I would say come to God. Ask him why this is happening. It could simply be he wants you to do something. We always pray for him to do something, don't we? We always pray, God, do this. God, 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 God. You see the evil that's going on in our political system. You see all this. God, do something. He might be saying, listen, talk to Sean. Talk to, to Martha over there. Y'all go get some picket, some picket signs and go picket Washington. And this movement is going to grow. And you say, whoa. So it's not so much that God is doing it. He's empowering me to go and do it. It's so bad that some people are so silly and so simple in today's day and age. And I'm going to use this worn out example. I need a job. God's going to give me a job. God's going to give me a job. God, yes, as soon as you become the feet, or put, uh, as we say, put some feet to your faith. I wonder how many times he's calling us to action when we're praying for him to get to action. I wonder how many times that has, has been the case. Probably more than we hope to admit, huh? No, I'm not suggesting that you guys go out and start picketing the government, okay? <laughs> but as we're praying, God, what is going on? He may be asking you, what is going on with you? You have a, a working mouth, you have working feet, and you have the resources. Go do this. How many of you, here's a crazy example, far out there. If you were in the pool into a parking lot of a Walmart, right? And you saw this this old man, and he's got this child by the arm, and she's screaming, no, no, let me go, let me go. And then she said, hey, my daddy. And you just said, well, phew, man, I hate to be her. And you walk on into the store. How many? <laughs> I know I said it was a crazy example, didn't I? Yes, you did. How many of you wouldn't stop and pull out your phone and call 911? And even if you were wrong, you said, listen, I couldn't just see that and just let it happen. I did something. You didn't just pray. Lord, you need to do something there. Praise the Lord and walk on into the store. But you did something. <laughs> I hope you would do something. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm going in here to get my present. And, woo! and then later on that night, you saw on the news. Amber alert. Right, and you're like, woo, Lord, Lord bless them. Keep them, protect that child. No, you should have pulled out your phone. If you wasn't comfortable enough hitting that dude in the head, at least, the very least, pull out your phone. Like I said, it was a crazy example. I'm sorry. Hey, friends, before we go, thank you for listening to the podcast today. I hope and pray that 
it was informative and that you got something out of it and that it maybe even answered a few questions in your mind. But listen, if you have been listening to the podcast and you realize that you want to know this Jesus Christ that we're talking about, you want to know God and his son, Jesus Christ. Well, it is my distinct privilege and honor to lead you through the process of getting to know him better. And the process isn't complicated, doesn't require a whole lot of um, steps. It's simply acknowledging that you want Jesus Christ, that you have, through the course of your actions and things that you've done in your life, for the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God or pleasing God, that you're genuinely remorseful for about the thing about the things that you've done then say this simple simple prayer yet sincere prayer with me and mean it from the depths of your heart father i realize now that i am a sinner i repent of my sins and i ask you to forgive me of my sins i believe that jesus christ died on that cross so that I could be forgiven. I believe that Jesus paid a debt that I could not pay. I receive him now by faith as my Lord, my Savior, and my guide. And Father, I ask that you would fill me with the precious gift of your Holy Ghost so that I may draw closer to you. Father, I believe right now that it is already done that it has been done, and I receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, congratulations, my friend. If you've said that with a sincere heart, the Bible lets us know that your name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And long before you leave this earth, long before you die, God wants to continue to grow with you and have a relationship, a personal relationship with you as Father. Now, I would encourage you to find yourself a true Bible-believing church. doesn't have to be a huge church. In fact, you know, if you've been listening to our podcast for any length of time, that we specialize in house churches. But regardless of what the size is, a church that is truly preaching the Word of God and helping you to grow closer in your relationship with God. If you need more information or clarification, as always, give us a call at area code 585-331. 3424. May God bless you and we see you again on the next podcast.